Oh yeah. Canceled too soon. A podcast. Podcast. About TV. Television shows. That were. That were very, very short. Canceled too soon. One season or less. Oh yeah. This week on Canceled Too Soon. Bucky O'Hare. And the Toad Wars. Welcome back, citizens, to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that were only lasted one season or less. <laughs> that was a good stumble right there. It was doing so well. Stumbled right out of the gate there. My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic for Crave Online, ComingSoon.net, Blumhouse.com, What the Flick, and of course, the B Movies Podcast from what, Whence We Hail. And what's your favorite TV show? Ever? Ever. One. You got one favorite. I I gotta go. Twilight Zone. I know it's okay. a cliche. I don't care. That's fine. That's fine. It really helps shape like who. I, it's yeah. it's tough between it's between Twilight Zone, Mystery Science Theater three thousand, mm. The Wire, <laughs> Doctor Who, and Avatar: The Last Airbender. Those would be like my top five. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What about you? Fair. Fair. Uh, Wait. Who are you? Well, my name is Whitney Seibold. Jerk. I'm I'm also a film critic for uh, for Crave Online. I'm co-host of the B Movies podcast from Once I Hail. Uh, I am the film critic over at Legion of Leia. Can we I, say that every time we say B-Movies podcast? From whence we hail! From whence we hail. We get t-shirts that say, from whence we hail. I like it. Uh, and I also contribute to Blumhouse.com. And uh, my favorite TV show of all time, is, uh, I still got to go back to Star Trek The Next Generation. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm Trekkie going way back. I watched the original series, and then Next Generation kind of overtook my adolescence in this very you were right, powerful you were, way. You're exactly the right age for it. When did that come out? In like an 89? It started in 87. That long ago? Yeah, it was that really? long ago. It was 1987 oh, that wow. show began. And how old were you? Were you like nine? Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I turned nine that year. Yeah, that's about right. So yeah, it, yeah. it came along right at the right time. It was a big event, okay. and it went off the air when I was in high school. So yeah. And what what I'm finding as we start collecting uh, people's sort of selections and suggestions mm. for shows you that we should know, cover you, on this you, podcast. You get to know their age really well. Really fast, because there's two kinds of things that people tend to recommend. They tend to recommend stuff from their adolescence mm-hmm. or stuff that was only recently canceled, so their enthusiasm's pretty new. Right. Like, we've had a lot of requests for that show Selfie. Right, right, right. right. Uh, Which, fair enough, I guess. We have to track it down. It's odd because like some of like the a lot of the older shows are kind of easy to track down either because they've been released on home video well, like, or they're like on YouTube. And then the, a lot of the new shows just get pulled back real fast. Like mm. they don't want to put them on Amazon. They take them off of Hulu. Because they, they don't want the, the market dried up quick. They figure there's no audience for this. So why bother dumping money into distributing something that like just failed? I, my, it's got to come out someday, though. Mm. I mean, it would be a shame if it all went to yeah. pot. My, um, my favorites are the ones that like were pulled back, like back in 1978, and then just stayed there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we the, got the some, things that where you have to dig real deep to find we, them. We we got a request uh, for a show called Holmes and Yo Yo, which yes. I had never heard of before. Go to YouTube. <laughs> we are going to work overtime to track down Holmes track down and Yo Yo. It is about a cop who teams up with an android. Mm. That's, that's it. it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> that's the whole plot. It's actually amazing how many cop shows of like s- cop teams up with science fiction conceit there are. Yeah. Puchinski was kind of like this fantasy well, conceit just, where the cop is a dog. When you think about mismatched buddy, uh-huh. uh, you tend to basically just like it, a lot of comedy, a lot of drama just shows from putting two people together mm. who do not belong together. And you start off with something like really natural, like the odd couple. 
uh, where one of them is very neat and tidy. One's a snob and one's a slob. The other one's Walter Matthau, and bam. But, like, then what happens if you got, like, one of them's a werewolf and the other one's a belly? You know, what are you going to do? It's going to be weird. Cool. So, um, I know, by the way, we'll get to almost human at some point. Oh, yes. That's another one. God, there's so many. There's okay. so many of those. Uh, and we're working on uh, uh, some additional material as the show continues to be bi-weekly, maybe to give you some mini episodes between episodes, working out what that might be. We're finding our feet. We're finding our feet. Thank you for joining us as we find our feet. Mm. We will not leave you hanging much longer tonight. Today's episode, if you can read the title of the episode, is... Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Wars. Also known as Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Conflict in Canada. Yes. I guess maybe because in Canada, <laughs> Canada there's no... They're, we don't, they're, they're averse to war in Canada. Yeah, it's a disagreement. <laughs> the Toad Conflict. Uh, uh, Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Wars uh, aired uh, between September 8th and December 1st in 1991. It is based off of a comic book that debuted in 1984, yeah. but was created in 1978 and 1979 by Larry Hama and Michael Golden. Larry Hama... Should be familiar to a lot of you uh, animation fiends uh, because he's the guy responsible for basically the whole story behind G.I. Joe. They had the action yeah. figures. Larry Hama did the amazing comic book, which was actually pretty dark and R-rated and made it totally awesome. So if you ever like G.I. Joe, Larry Hama is the reason why. And Larry Hama has described Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Wars as like his most personal creation, well, like the thing he actually fantasizes about. Here, here's the thing about Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Wars. It, it There is a dark streak of satire hiding deep beneath this TV series. Yes. Uh, and which it, we'll talk about. Obviously. Which we'll talk about. Um, but what it, is so it? It is a science fiction series. It takes place in an alternate universe called the Anniverse, where there are no humans. Everybody is an anthropomorphic animal. And every uh, planet is like its own animal. There's a planet of koalas. Right. There's a planet right. of each, ducks. Each, each species has its own planet. And yeah. uh, in this universe... The toads have risen up and are starting to conquer every planet in the universe. Uh, Bucky O'Hare is a brave hare with green fur. It's very, very strange design on this character. Yeah, uh, and he has—he's one of the only ships that the mammals have to fight off the Tone menace. You get the His impression that called, the mammals are like trying to stay out of the war, and Bucky mm, O'Hare is just refuses to not fight. That his ship is named the SS Righteous Indignation is is a good sign of that. Uh, his ragtag group of uh, warriors includes a psychic cat named Jenny, a little robot named Blinky, a gigantic. Beetlejuicean berserker baboon named uh, Bruce, Bruce and then Bruiser. Bruce and then Bruiser. Yeah. Bruce was the engineer, and then his brother Bruiser took over. Yes. Uh, there's and the four armed uh, gunner, Dead Eye Duck. Who also is, has only one eye. Who has one eye. He has a bye patch. Uh, and uh, most bafflingly, they have access to our universe through a dimensional portal, which is a 10 year old boy's closet, or maybe he's 12. A young boy's a closet young boy. door, like yeah. this white American human boy who can turn on his closet door and just sort of go onto their ship whenever he likes, and he's part of their crew. Which is kind of a wonderfully fanciful idea. Like, that I get. <laughs> like, that I get. There is this element of Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Wars, mm. uh, where we have this one human character who is he's a nerd, he's bullied at school, all the women in his life walk all over him. His parents, who we only see in, like, one scene... Don't uh, care about what he's don't doing. Don't care. They're yeah. so interested in being politically correct and saving the trees or some hippy-dippy mm -hmm. nonsense. I love that the show has absolutely no respect 
for hippy dippy nonsense. It, it's, it's all about war. It's yeah. So so it's a very conservative show in that regard. Very odd. And so he's clearly just completely isolated and, mm. and feels very unloved. His name is Willie DeWitt, by the way. And Willie DeWitt goes into his his room at night mm. and travels to a magical land where he's important. Mm. And, and I totally get it. And and he even like starts fostering his furry fetish because the design on Jenny is very very fetishistic. She it's has very like kinky. These, these very kind of steel thigh high boots and a big shiny breastplate. And she keeps kissing him, and he gets like all red. And yeah. I, I keep seeing like if you look online, I was looking up trying to find out as much as I could about I'm the sure show. I'm sure there's Jenny porn out there. I'm sure there is, yeah. but. Here's the thing. Every like thing I've read, like on like multiple like Wikipedia pages and like oh. fan sites, describe Jenny as like an unofficial mother figure to Willie. And I'm like, no, they no. want to fuck. Yeah, she... they yeah, want to yeah. fuck. Um, it's a kind of a. It's weird, but it's totally a thing. <laughs> Every single interaction they have is played off with as kind of romantic but, and okay. It's well, just. We're, but we're we're kind of overlooking like one of the biggest sort of details of the show, and that it's it's too ambitious for its own good. <laughs> um, this is a hugely ambitious premise. Yes, and it's this, big, it's epic. If it's this got, like, had a been whole done like in anime, or had been done sort of in like as a ninety minute uh, straight to video feature, where they kind of had time to work on the animation, mm-hmm. then a lot of this would have played really well. This is clearly rushed out of, you know, Rough Draft Studios animation in Korea. They're mm. they're doing a lot on a tight budget and in a hurry. And then, and when we say a lot, we mean a lot. Not like a lot of episodes. Like in every episode there's, is packed with detail and there's, characters. There's like three subplots. There's a, yeah, dozens of characters. There's so much to animate and there's so much movement that... It, it just falls apart underneath its own ambitions. So everything looks really shabby. The color scheme is really ugly on this show. I there's have a like, problem with... There's the a lot of, like, lime green, yellow, and magenta all mixed together, and it's just <laughs> abrasive to the eye. This show was developed by mm. Christy Marks, who has had a long-standing history mm. in television animation. She's best known for creating Gem in the Hollow. And she, she's written a lot of, she, of uh, animation shows. She has, well. and she wrote, like, the first, like, four or five episodes of, of Bucky O'Hara and the mm. Toad Wars. Uh, and one thing they asked her about was, like, one, how did you develop the show and said well what we did was we knew what toys they were going to make yeah. so we had to make sure we put all those toys in mm. so that was number one but then when they asked her why did the show get cancelled what what happened here and I'm getting this by the way uh, from, from, from an the interview in- yeah. from an interview on BuckyO'Hare.org <laughs> venerable organization right. BuckyO'Hare.org thank you very much for putting all this together um, Christy Mark said that the reason why it got cancelled is like she doesn't remember all the details, but it's the same reason most kids' show got canceled. The toys weren't selling. Mm. And I buy that because I'm watching Bucky O'Hare. And on one hand, I'm an adult watching a kid's show, and there's <laughs> a certain disconnect there where it's a little some kids' shows age surprisingly well. Like you look at like the old Robotech shows when they were kind of well, done pretty well. And yeah, then you look at Bucky. A lot don't. Uh, well, the a pro- lot don't, but this one alone, just from a toy perspective, uh-huh. I don't want to play with these toys because every character is bow legged. <laughs> like it doesn't seem like really action oriented. It seems a really like like, um, it seems like every one of them could sort of escaped from a Happy Meal. Yeah, there's there's a definite Happy Meal vibe to a lot of this. In, yeah. in one of the later episodes, they ran into this, like, there were three toad creatures that could stack up and become one gigantic toad creature. And I thought, oh, well, that, that's definitely a toy. That's got to be a and, toy. And it, because it was, wasn't practical in the scene, it came out of nowhere and mm-hmm. it looked like something you'd want to play with rather than see in a show. Mm-hmm. Um 
Yeah. Larry Hama yeah, yeah. was talking about the creation of this series. This series, apparently, Bucky O'Hare started off as, an, as a comic book idea. Yeah. Uh, in the late 70s, and it was going to be this like new creator-owned comic book coming out of DC Comics. And so he was putting together Bucky O'Hare, and DC Comics was like, oh, well, show us what you got. He said, we haven't signed a contract yet saying this is creator-owned. And DC's like, well, we'll get to it. And so he yeah. never did, and it fell through, and of he course. ended up having his own uh, shebang. But... It came out at the, right after uh, Star Wars, and so, again, BuckYourHair.org, thank you very much, venerable organization, um, asked him, like, was Star Wars an influence? And he said, and he said yes, but in an unexpected way. He wanted Besides to Besides the fact that it's kind of... It's space-faring adventure, but yeah, beyond yeah. that, he said, but actually... Well, I mean, he, Star, Star Wars is a ripoff of Flash Gordon anyway, there you so go. it's, it's all Buck just... Rogers a, and all that It's all just... It's Bucky, for goodness sake, so yeah. it's definitely a Buck Rogers... Of course. Take. But what he actually said was it had to do with the toys. Star Wars uh, had all these cool ships and things in the movies, but they couldn't look like that when they were toys. So he wanted to create something that, that when you bought the toy, it was it exactly, exactly what you like, saw. Okay. To the extent where if you look at the original comic book, the characters have like little holes under their feet. Just like oh, every action really figure funny. did. Just so that it would be okay. 100% accurate. That's a little strange. That this Isn't that fil- weird? Well, that the, that the show is so uh, geared toward its own marketing. Yeah. Because the villains in this show, the Toads... Are vilify are trying to take over the universe because they've run out of resources because they've devoted so much of their lives to recreation and television. Yes, they're, one oh, of the recurring gags is just every once in a while you'll walk in on some toads and they're watching terrible television. Yeah, they're, they're watching. Yeah, I'm reading the latest issue of Warts Illustrated. Yeah, yeah it's, they're it's, watching a beauty pageant who has the biggest warts. There's like this weird yeah. toad version of Roseanne for some reason. They're 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 so devoted to distracting themselves and just this callow entertainment and essentially marketing and commercials and advertising. That they don't notice that, that their marketing and advertising has taken over, has, yeah, literally. They, they, they created this cr- this creature uh, complex. This It's essentially the same thing from Terminator Genesis, really. Uh, they, they created this all, all-seeing all computer program that was going to handle all of their like entertainment and work for them. And it ended up turning evil and self-aware, and it turned into this kind of scary-looking thing called Complex. Yeah. Uh, with a K. It looks like, it looks like, um, obviously it's all 2D animated, but it's it's designed it, it, so that it, it looks like it's sort of polygons, almost th- like the original Lawnmower Man. I think it was supposed, maybe in like the original ambition of the show, it was supposed to be CGI, and like 1991. No. no. Maybe? No, uh, no, I we weren't there yet. And it, we wouldn't, were not been, it wouldn't have been yet. called CGI, which is just would have been called computer animation at the time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that they tried that they started this whole thing from a marketing perspective. When the whole point of the show, the only point I can really get from this rather shrill, kind of obnoxious, kind of difficult to watch program, uh, is that it's an anti-capitalist show. Well, when the enemy represents mm. capitalism and distraction from real-world issues. And the heroes represent, like, sort of, you know, take charge, mm. standing up for what you believe in. Um, righteous indignation, Righteous will, indignation. Yeah. And yet it exists as a very shrill Saturday morning cartoon show to sell you toys. Uh, There's a real irony it's, it's, there. It's and definitely counterintuitive. It's, it's dangerously close to Space Jam territory, where it's just like mm. everyone's, like, has a nostalgia for it. And we're just sort of hooking ourselves up to our milking machines. Right. And we're just like, but my milking machine was the best. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's just another commercial. Well, I don't know. Like, Bobby Hair clearly has some ideas going on, but on some level, it is just a cartoon. I imagine in the original comics, and whether or not the mm. Hama uh, intended this, mm. I sense that there was probably a lot stronger of a satirical streak. I, there was uh, this, actually, yeah. 
It, you said it came out in 1984. This was sort of prime this, yeah. prime time for a lot of this uh, sat like anti Reagan satire that was going on at the time, and that's also where a lot of uh, comic books started to innovate in terms of taking animal characters and putting them in serious situations as kind of a strange comment on those situations. You look at stuff like Usagi Ujimbo, you look at uh, Cerebus, you look at the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. These were all kind of spoofs of a very serious comic style by the inserted animal characters. And this is sort of a, I imagine, a spoof of these very serious space operas, but we're kind of putting our tongue in our cheek a little bit because the main character is a heroic rabbit rather than a human. Well, to give you an idea of... Uh, here's, well, rather, he's a hare. They are a different species. To give, which makes you wonder, is do rabbits have their own planet and hares have another? We never meet any rabbits. That's a fair question. My guess is that rabbits are still just sort of basic animals in this universe. I think that's crap. Yeah, it's um, weird because there's this bit where one time where they fight toads using bees, but then you meet a bumblebee guy. Yeah. yeah like you yeah. just, like just throw a like a bee, a cone of bees at people and guys say, oh no, the bees. And then there's a big anthropomorphic bumblebee guy. What the hell? Maybe the anthropomorphic bees are from one planet and the regular bees are from another planet. There is... Um, Here's here's a here's a line that gives you some idea of the differences between the cartoon and the mm. show, uh, or the comic book and the show. Uh, and this is from the Wikipedia page, just a description. But okay. I think this made me laugh. <laughs> Most of the ideas from the comic book were used for the cartoon with three major differences. Mm. Bruce is transported into another dimension instead of killed. Right. Willie can travel freely between Earth and the Aniverse, and the omnipotent mouse is nowhere to be seen. The omnipotent <laughs> mouse. <laughs> so so there's like a god in, in yeah, the Aniverse there's as not well. Like big, yeah. there, but it also shows that in the comic book there's a lot more intensity. Uh, the opening episode, first off, it starts off with like a Solid chunk where it just dumps you right in the middle of the just action. A bunch of action, yeah. and you don't know everything is given the same amount of detail and imports. You don't know who's important or why. <laughs> so it's just this huge, big actiony thing. Mm. Uh, and while they're trying to escape the Toads who have taken over Bucky O'Hare's home planet, uh, which they is hit called their, Warren, by the way, isn't that cute? Isn't that cute? They hit. Uh, they hit like their hyperdrive, and it's broken. And their big baboon guy, mm. uh, who's be, their engineer, who's their engineer. In the comics, he died. Mm -hmm. And here, he's sent to another dimension, like in Dragon Ball Z, the and, American version. And he shows up in a later episode, too. So well, he does, but he's, like... He's, so he's all right. He's, he's all right. If you remember in Dragon Ball Z, in the original Japanese version, people would die. Mm. And then when they transported it to America, whenever someone died, they would talk about him going to another dimension. Oh, that's really uh, funny. I'm going to send you to another dimension as he murders a guy. <laughs> uh, but the other big with, difference... With this knife. Look at those, the dimension bleeding all over the ground. When he hits the, the hyperdrive, Bruce disappears goes into another dimension and willie is brought into their reality mm. um and in the comics willie is stuck there which is way more dramatic yeah, yeah and because he has to learn to adapt to this exactly it's more exciting bizarro that universe and, and animal people and i'm sorry you know what it's farscape <laughs> if you watch the show farscape bucky o'hare you know is farscape th but like 10 years there early. are so many things like this you know far it's far the whole the whole notion of this sort of buck uh -huh. rogers this ragtag bag mm -hmm. band of misfits in space one of them is out of time or out of place in some sort of mm -hmm. way it's been done it has ad nauseum there's a lot of so, really specific ways this is like farscape though. okay all right like super specific like from I, I was gonna say this is like like a, a, a star fox uh in, well obviously in like it has a star fox. very 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 well there's an anthropomorphic ways. animal i think i think this actually well this does predate star this fox as a comic yeah. book um but no this, this is about like a human who gets who in theory in the original mm -hmm. comic anyway gets stuck in another uh, mm. part of the universe 
bunch of weird for, alien creatures forced yeah. into a big into a big war where he ends up becoming like the most important thing he's the scientist who specializes in space travel which is exactly what it is in Farscape <laughs> it's it's really super specific and like the enemy is like all obsessed with propaganda and everything well, like that when did super, Far, Farscape start in the mid 90s mid 90s right? yeah. yeah this is so, definitely predates it like it's an interesting sort of parallel and if you mm-hmm. like both things think about it and if you've only seen one see the other thing it'll be weird I was very distracted by it a lot of the time right down to like even like one of the female member of the ship is like a magic user and like it's really uh, yeah, specific yeah, yeah. well and that, that's one of them is really super warlike i've, I've noted noticed this about this sort of team dynamic that you see in science fiction series a lot there's usually only one woman and if yes. there if or there may be two usually there's one usually it's there's a token one. woman and the token woman is very rarely a doer of violence in sort of a conventional way usually they have like mm-hmm. some bur- they have the bruiser uh-huh. In the series, big tough guy. named Bruiser. Yes, <laughs> Well, let, let's do it from the Star Trek: The Next Generation Seven, oh, right? God. You got the captain. Yes, you got, the fir- you got the first officer. He's out of this one. There's no Riker in this show. Uh, it's uh, it's basic, but it's also Riker and um, uh, uh, what's her name? Jenny. Uh, Jenny. What's but what's what's the uh, what's the psychic? Uh, Counselor and- Troy. Riker and Counselor Troy are the same person. There you go. R- the Riker and Counselor Troy have been mashed into one person. Yeah. So you got the uh, you got the sensitive, uh, uh, lovey dovey, but magic using mm-hmm. second in command. So you got you both go. right. combined. Uh, then you have Worf. You have the big tough guy. No, that's Bruiser. That's Bruiser. All right. You have uh, Jordy LaForge, who's Jordy. Blinky, who only has one eye. There you go. <laughs> well, I, I, I would say. Uh, and then you have, well, Blinky's also Data. I was about to say, Jordy and Data are kind of mashed into one character. They are. So, Willie is the only kind of new element no, here. Willie, no, Willie's, uh, Willie's, Willie's Wesley. Well, yeah, I guess Willie is Wesley. <laughs> That's right, he's the boy genius. Willie's Wesley. Uh, I'm trying to think of who the tactician would be, though. Who, to, uh, to Dead Eye Dead Dead Duck. Duck? Dead Eye Duck is... Um, Ta- Tasha Yar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, because... Dead Eye Duck is like uh, is like seven of nine. He's like oh, clearly God. designed. Dead Eye Duck is clearly designed to be like the cool character that mm-hmm. all like the tough all the boys like because he's like obsessed with violence. He's this four armed. He's constantly got oh, guns. And, and we didn't he's, mention this. He's an ex pirate. So yes, he, which is one of the few better has, episodes. He, he has a, a kinship with his other duck brethren, and all ducks are pirates in this universe, uh, except some that are ninjas. That, that's right. But so you see what I mean? Like ninjas and, beard, and, and pirates. The ducks are the cool ones. Du- ducks are ninjas who fight bearded dragons who are samurais. And they all have four arms. Everything else is perfectly anthropomorphized, but the ducks have four arms. Don't know why. Well, just they evolved that way, I suppose. I suppose so. We're just, gonna, yeah, we're just not going to think about I it. Think it's fine. Rather, because none of the none of the bird characters have wings. None of them can fly. So rather than give them wings and have them fly about, which might look a little cheesy <laughs> in, in a show like this, uh, they gave them four. Arms. There's an episode in this in in the show where they have to go underwater and they meet mm. like a dolphin, anthropomorphic dolphin named Bottlenose mm. and a giant octopus. And Dead Eye Duck says he's an octopus and Buck. Tokyo hair says the most zen thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Everybody's got to be something. <laughs> I just love that. That is so beautiful. It's really kind uh, of an awesomely good moment, which is weird because some of the philosophy or lack thereof on this show mm. is so fucking dumb. There is an episode, like, like the first or second like standalone episode after this like opening arc. The, the opening is, arc is three episodes, three, and then, yeah. then we get into the, the series proper. And then there's like one where Bucky is like has to go see his mentor to go off and rescue a bunch of hares who've well, been for, captured by the, the air marshal 
the Toad Air Marshal? Toad Air Marshal, yeah. God, he never does anything in the air. His name was Toad Air Marshal. Anyway, he has to go see his mentor, and he has to fight off a bunch of toads to go see his mentor. Then he goes into a cave and just cuts to him leaving the cave. Like, we never meet the mentor, which I'm like, that's weird. I guess we're going to get to that eventually. Also, but I'm wondering, what was he being mentored in? Because Bucky O'Hare, first of all, he's a totally boring character. He has no character traits at all. He's just sort of the bland hero type. If you're a white male, you'd say, oh, he's just a white male. But he's a green rabbit. But he's a green rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he doesn't seem to have any sort of discernible skills. He's not a particularly inspiring leader. He's yeah. not good at piloting the ship he's or just operating Flash weapons. Gordon. He's just good at everything. He, he's he's uh, like he he's heroic and yeah. he's brave mm-hmm. and he gathers people together. I guess I guess he does have leadership he's, skills. He's he's a symbol. He's, he's never seen as doing anything. Uh, tough or resolute, he doesn't really strike me as well, no, he a very fights, strong he, character. In the beginning, when all of the like the animal United Nations like tries to prevent, like, no, we're not going to war with the Toads. The Toads can be pacified. He, yeah. They're not Hitler in any way. And Bucky's just like, well, I'm going to fight him anyway with my ship, which is well titled. And like, <laughs> he, he does stand up for it. He is even when like mm. he's the only ship in the entire universe and he's standing up against all of the toads he, he does fight for it that's actually pretty good he's joined by two other ships one is run by a fox we get to see her get her own command yes and she shows up later in the show and starts flirting with Bucky and yeah. I don't know well, why Bucky this, doesn't go for well, it but, this is actually right. the same episode I was talking about Bucky is right. rescuing all these hares and one fox uh, who is trying to start an insurrection and everyone's like well Bucky will save us mm. and she's like no we can't wait for this weird propaganda peon to come in <laughs> and rescue us we have to rescue ourselves and Bucky is actually one of the more interesting like storylines. They have yeah. Bucky who has infiltrated them in, and specific, in disguise, yeah, specifically yeah. to save the day. He doesn't save the day because he lets her do it because it's actually more more inspiring that way. Like it's actually mm. more important that people actually raise up rise up themselves. And then she realizes what he has done, and then she falls in love with him. It's not bad. The point I was getting <laughs> to get back to the weird philosophy though. He goes to see his mentor. Mm. We don't see the mentor, and then the mentor says. Uh, it is more effective to infiltrate an enemy with stealth than it is to f- confront them in a headlong assault. Mm-hmm. And Bucky spends the entire episode wondering what that means. He's like, "What? What does that mean?" It's, it's pretty it's, direct. It's, yeah. not a, it's not a frilly metaphor. It's just like, and so he ends up defeating the toads by stealth. And then at the end of the episode, he's like, "I understand what he means. He means it's better to use stealth." And I'm like, "This is nowhere near meta enough to get away with that storyline. It doesn't work." It doesn't work at all. My, my, my favorite moment of Zen in this series was uh, when we finally met up with Bruce again. Mm-hmm. And Bruce was somehow able to, I guess, more or less bilocate. He would mm. been zapped into another dimension. He landed on this other planet where uh, he had rudimentary machines. And since mm. he's an engineer, he's kind of building things to sort of get back to his own dimension. Yeah. And he appears and he gets to talk to Bruiser again. And Bruiser has to acknowledge that Bruce is going to go away again. To be and clear, Bruiser end. is, is Bruce's brother who joins the show mm. after the first couple episodes, uh, because we already created the character model. The design, <laughs> the design is exactly the same, except Bruce has a big mane of hair and Bruiser is bald. And Bruiser also has like a little chain, uh, but- piercing on his nose and to his ear like connected by a chain yeah, yeah. it's awesome which is really hot on goth chicks not as hot on an ape uh, yeah. well but, it takes all kinds but there is everybody's gotta be something everybody's gotta be something man <laughs> sometimes you're a beetlejuice and berserker baboon <laughs> I don't believe I can say that that casually. Uh, Welcome to cancel too soon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's a reason. There's there's this there's this moment where like he's been 
and from Bruce's perspective, he's been working really hard. He finally gets sort of a taste of going back home and realizes that his technology just isn't strong enough yet. Mm-hmm. And he has to go back to uh, his the, the dimension he's been trapped yeah. in. And we cut to him after all the action has ended. And Bruiser has, you know, shed his tears. And they've kind of parted. Mm-hmm. It's kind of melancholy. And Bruce is working on a machine saying, this machine doesn't work. It might someday. These bananas are purple, but they're sure tasty. And it sort of it, end, it ends on this weirdly optimistic note that I was felt like very very peaceful. For me. I, I like why. the show. The show settles down a bit after it, which is nice. And there started being episodes that focus on characters. There's an episode that's all about Blinky having to take charge. Blinky is this little robot mm-hmm. who has very little moxie. Just sort of goes <laughs> in and fixes things, and then all of a sudden it's up to Blinky. And mm-hmm. it's actually like it's not a great episode, but it works because the first episodes are chaotic. And hard to follow. But, well, the whole and show annoying. is chaotic and hard to follow. Yeah. The, there's this trend in a lot of cartoon making all throughout the 1990s, which is kind of when I was watching a lot of cartoons. Yes, even through high school. And uh, where... Well, you the, say that like no one listening listened to watch cartoons in high school. Oh, well, yeah, I suppose so. They were well, past that. In, in the 90s, it wasn't so cool, you see. It was fine. Uh, no, but, but everyone was doing it, though. I like there was, so. there was no difference. We've, we have, our generation is a generation that said, you of know... children, like, yeah. <laughs> When I was a, no longer a child, I put away childish things. Our generation said, fuck that. And we kept watching Batman, the animated series, and Animaniacs. <laughs> so I, I was watching stuff like Earthworm Jim. And uh, sure. there, there's a tendency from a lot of these cartoon makers to use music too aggressively. They would underscore every single scene. They wouldn't just have sort of have ambient noise. There wouldn't mm. be sort of a slow, quiet moment. Every, there was music for 22 solid minutes. Basically. And... When you have so much going on on screen, and you have all of these screechy voice actors, and you have kind of bad animation that's kind of jerky and difficult to get your eye around, mm-hmm. in addition to that, you're just heaping scoopfuls of music on top of this, it just becomes a pile of noise. And as such, Bucky O'Hare has some ideas in it, <laughs> but it's so abrasive that it's really hard to get through to them. Well, you brought up the music. We have to talk about the thing that I think most people remember from Bucky O'Hare, which is, of course, the theme, the theme song, song. <laughs> which was written by Doug Katsaros, who also wrote the theme song for The Tick, and also wrote mm-hmm. the theme with the catchiest commercial theme in history. <laughs> is it the Mentos theme? No. By Menon. Oh, he wrote the By Menon? He wrote By Menon. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. By Menon is the greatest song ever written. Not just because it's three notes. Not just because it tells a complete story. <laughs> By Menon is the greatest song ever written because if you, like every other human being on the planet, have ever had a song stuck in your head. Mm. Like you've been going on your whole damn day and you still got shaken off by Taylor Swift stuck in your head and you keep going over and over again. You fall asleep and you dream in Shake It Off. Mm. Here's how you get rid of it. By Menon. <laughs> Do that a couple of times, everything is gone, and By Menon is so short, it doesn't matter if it gets stuck in your head. You the, can move past it faster. The, the Jeopardy Think music is also good for that. If you have a, if you have a, if you have a, if you have anything stuck in your head, just think, think the the Jeopardy Think. I don't think music. the Pepsi challenge between Jeopardy and By Menon anytime. So Doug, so Doug Katsaros is to his credit one of the greatest songwriters in history, and Bucky O'Hare has this incredibly like in your face. It, like, it's, it's like a it's a heavy song. It, it's a heavy metal song. Well, no, it it's not really. It's it, well from 1991. Flame when, heavy metal. No, by 1991, metal was getting harder. Like you got like sort of the Black Album and Pantera and stuff. Yeah. But hair metal was still clinging on by its fingertips. Hair metal and hair, uh, hair metal. Um, hair, Bucky O'Hare metal. Oh dear God! I didn't even hair hear metal. Hair, 
Bucky O'Hare metal. Hair metal. Um, Are we going to do this? Uh, we, I think we can recite the lyrics, but I think uh, we're, we'd be legally at odds by actually singing it. Okay, fine. Well, let's do it. Okay, so basically, uh, we have to do the Bucky, Captain Bucky O'Hare part. Yeah. The way it is in, this, mm-hmm. in the song. But here's what we're going to do. You're gonna take. We're gonna do every other line, okay? And we're All gonna right. take it. We're gonna take it like as a serious. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna read it. We're gonna like, be like a poem, sla- like slam poetry. Yeah, well, <laughs> slam poetry. I was thinking more in terms of like a thoughtful soliloquy, okay. but yes. All right, All right go for it. All you right. start. In another dimension, another time and space, a parallel universe was fallen on its face. When out of the chaos, who else could it be? But the animal adventurers from S-P-A-C-E. Bucky! Captain Bucky O'Hare! Mutants and aliens and toads beware. You're looking for adventure? Well, this is it. With Jenny, Deadeye Blinky, and Willie DeWitt. I said Bucky! Captain Bucky O'Hare! And now an update on Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Wars. In the Battle of the Anniverse... You don't know what's next. You only know amphibians have made it complex. (laughs) When you check out your scanner and the evil that it bodes. There's only one course of action. Let's Let's croak us some toads. Bucky! Bucky! Captain Bucky Bucky O'Hare! He goes where no ordinary rabbit would dare. If your righteous indignation has suffered a hit. And your photon accelerator's broken a bit. And you're losing your mind and you're having a fit. Get the funky fresh rabbit who can take care of it. Bucky! Captain Bucky O'Hare! You say Bucky? I said Bucky! Bucky O'Hare! Let's croak us some toads. There's so many things going on in that. It has First, the entire premise of the show. Yes, it does. It has all the characters, including the name of the villain. It has it has one expression it which has, dates it forever. Funky, funky fresh, fresh rabbit. <laughs> Everything was funky fresh in 1991. Oh, yeah. Just oh, oh, 1991. Yes. That was the year when no, things not, were funky fresh. Not everything was funky fresh. Some things were fly. So a few things were... Uh, there was, was anything dope yet? Dope or uh, deaf? Do- dope was coming up. A lot, okay. a lot was deaf. Deaf started. Deaf was in the late eighties, dude. Things were. But deaf. it was still going. I remember, if you recall, uh, in the movie we saw um, Elm Street, and yo, that was deaf. If you remember, in Class Act with uh, Kid and Play, not um, not Play as well, just Kid, right? No, no, Kid and Play. Kid play and was, Play. Oh, play well. was in Class Act, and they they switched lives like like um, like mm-hmm. um, like Prince per- the Proper style, mm-hmm. and they had to explain uh, to to Kid. Play had to explain to Kid what deaf meant. Mm. And Kid was just like, you're deaf? And he's like, yeah, I'm the deafest guy you know. Mm. And he just turns so he can't hear him. He says, I think he's a total asshole. <laughs> and Play punches him. And he says, you're not deaf. And Play's just like, mm. man, don't make me hit you more because deaf means a thing. So that was good. You, you, you still have uh, precious space in your brain taken up by that scene. I remember most of Class Act. Thank you very much. <laughs> I got people to see and I got no. I got now, things to see and people to do. A fun thing about uh, BuckyO'Hare.org, that venerable institution, they have the theme song as an MP3 in English, in Italian, Ooh. in English English, in French, and in Arabic. So, and... The cool thing about, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever gone traveling overseas and watched cartoons overseas. Uh, Sometimes. Uh, Cartoons, for some reason, get much more meticulous dubbing than their live action counterparts. Mm. I went to Russia and saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in Russian. They got an opera singer to sing the Teenage Mutant Ninja (laughs) Turtles theme. It was really terrific. Nice. Uh, And... You know, they got a whole cast of actors, whereas the live action movies that broadcast on Russian TV, 
they got one actor to read all of the lines as flatly as possible and w- without any sort of like no inflection inflection just, or variation you or want the voices. audience to do the work they're, they're just tr- they, like the the script has been transcribed for them into Russian and they're just going to read it and it kind of coincides with the action on the screen <laughs> <laughs> And, and the dubbing was so bad that you could actually kind of lean in and hear the English dialogue. So nice. It's, you can watch your favorite movies in English if you didn't mind some really boring Russian guy speaking right in your ear. Nice. <laughs> Christ, so terrible. This is traveling in Russia in like 1994. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Wars. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about this a couple episodes, a couple moments. I, I, there's a moment in one of these episodes, I don't even remember. Uh-huh. Watching the show is a lot like being high, but you didn't actually take anything. <laughs> I, I, I started to watch this with my wife, and it took her maybe 10 seconds before she said, God, uh, no, I need weed. <laughs> and she doesn't even smoke weed. I don't even remember what episode it was, but there's this one episode where it was just a shot of a giant penguin, and then it rips itself open and willies inside. And I'm like, no. what? Why? Yeah, what was it with the penguin? What was like, the penguin? I, well, the, the joke was they were everyone was in disguise. And yeah. Bucky was dressed as an old man, and... Uh, Bruiser was dressed as a chair, and, yeah. and I think it was just sort of this absurd. <laughs> and it was just this absurd joke. It's like old old man and other old man and like greasy salesman guy and hot lady and gypsy lady and and you know we pan across and, and things get increasingly increasingly ridiculous. And it's like and also this giant penguin, which is completely suspicious, just happens to be one of the crew members. I, I just want to go through this and have a few stray observations of, of random episodes. Right. There's an episode called uh, Create, uh, not Creation Experience. Which one is it? Uh, to- koalas, koalas on the blink. The Toad Empire is taking mm. control of a koala homeworld. Uh-huh. The thing with keeping Willie, uh, giving him access to both home and the Anniverse, uh-huh. is that theoretically what you're going to do is you're going to sort of relate what's going on in the real world to what's going on in the Anniverse. That happens in one episode. It happens in two episodes. Two, two episodes. Okay. Also the ones with the goggles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Right. So, but okay, in, yeah. in the first, we want to talk about both of those because they're both insane. And then I also want to talk about it in the pilot with the bullies because that's also insane. Um, <laughs> the, the bullies are great. All, all, every time, I'm sorry, every time we're in the real world, it's more insane than what's going on in the universe. So, in this episode with the damn koalas, it opens with Willie and mm. this girl, Susie, who obviously they're going to blink like when they're old enough. Uh-oh. And. She's like, Willie's just like, they're in the zoo. Willie's like looking at a hummingbird at the zoo. Uh But okay. He's like, hummingbirds are the only birds that can fly backwards. Isn't that cool? And she's like, Willie, you ignorant bastard. You're boring, Billy. Yeah. Boring, Willie. Well, you know what? That's that's a good point, though. He's looking at, it's been said, who gives the more accurate depiction of the flower? The botanist or the poet? Well, that, and if she had said that, she wouldn't have come across as nearly enough of a righteous bitch. (laughs) She she is horrible in this. And she's just like, you you don't get it, but you don't get it, Willie. All you care about are animals and how they do things and their place in the universe. You don't care about how that koala feels. <laughs> so we see the toads take over a planet of koalas. Mm. And I guess he learned. Then there's another episode. One of the weirder so one of the weirder conceits mm. in the show is that the toads are inherently terrified of baboons. They see a baboon, they freak out. Even if the baboon's on a TV screen, which is weird, because you'd think all you do is put pictures of baboons everywhere, and the toads would be useless. (laughs) Which they try a couple of times, but you'd think that would be their go-to tactic, but anyway. Um, Blinky, you know, projects holograms of baboons. They should do it all the time, though. It's really, really weird. So, but in any case, so what they've done is Toadborg, 
We forgot to mention Toad Borg. To- Toad Borg, who's the Darth Vader of the series. Yeah, Toad Borg is this giant toad, and they even have a thing that's like, you used to be a toad once, and it's this huge tragic backstory, but then they never talk about it again. Uh, Wait a minute, so Complex is the evil emperor, Toad yes. Borg is Darth Vader, Air Marshal is Peter Cushing. Yes. Pretty much. Air Marshal is Peter Cushing, but Peter Cushing by way of like the villain in a 1980s summer camp movie, what, where he's a, really ineffectual he, and only cares about yeah, all his medals. He's, he's vain and... and uh, you and kind ca- of useless. Ca- cowardly, yeah. yeah. He, he's Colonel Clank. And uh, <laughs> he, so, uh, but they, Toad Borg develops goggles that when you put them on a toad, they see baboons as cute. Mm. So they're well, not as, scared as, as of wimpy. baboons. They're like skinny, yeah. wimpy. So things, they're not yeah. scared of the baboons, and the toads are actually able to mount a very effective offensive mm. against the baboon homeworld on Beetlejuice. Okay. Let's just go with it. Fine. Let's pretend <laughs> that's fine. Totally fine. Okay. Oh, and th- uh, and this is one of the episodes later on. Like, this was right near the end of the run mm-hmm. of the series, so you could tell that they were, like, getting toy heavier. Yeah. So there's this gigantic monster in it that was, like, this big pink toad monster that Only was used once. Only yeah. used for, yeah. There's, but in any case, this episode begins mm-hmm. with Willie at his locker. He's oh talking gosh. to Susie. Wait, I gotta interrupt you. The guy God. who wrote this, this episode you're talking about died last week. Oh, no. Oh, excuse me, 2015. He died huh. March 30th, 2015. Well, he died last still year. sad. Still sad. <laughs> A little less... Timely, but um, still sad. Okay. What was his name? Uh, his name is Roger Slifer. Okay. Well, writer, that really writer, brings it down a notch. Writer, Thank editor, you. Letterer. He wrote uh, for Lobo and Omega Men. He just really brought this whole episode down a notch. Uh, right you know, now. just connect it to reality. It is. It's fine. But in any case, this this episode, and now I feel bad because I'm com- I'm complaining about the writing. So you're now compl- I'm the jerk. You're complaining about the writing on some crappy cartoon show that he, he probably didn't care too much about. All right, so fair you're enough. all right. The opening of this episode is mm. Willie at his locker and him and Susie are having yet another lover's quarrel. <laughs> and this girl TJ comes in and it's like, Willie, I'm attractive. I'm like, you're eight, but okay. I'm attractive and <laughs> I need the jun- notes for the... Junior high, I on. need the notes for the class so I can cheat on them. Mm. And, and Willie's just like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's reasonable. And Susie's just like, she's just using you, man. Yeah. And then Willie goes into, this, into the universe, saves the baboon planet from the goggles, mm. and he comes back. And the last scene is him at the locker again, and TJ comes up, I need the notes for the next class. I'm attractive, and I'll go to the dance with you. Mm. And Willie says, sorry, TJ, reality is reality. (laughs) Another zen moment. Yes, but that one doesn't make any sense. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Wouldn't it have been great if if he put on the goggles and he saw, like, this really horrible monster (laughs) instead? It's like, (laughs) she looks like a toad. The other just terrible thing that happens every time willie's in reality you can tell they have no interest they do not care they just want to get out of it like do you remember the punky brewster animated series yes it's like it was the adventures of punky brewster but that wasn't good enough for a show so they threw in like this magical f- furry creature yes it was great I, here's my thing i never watched the live action show i thought that's what the live action show was like it had the magical furry i creature assumed in it. that was it okay yeah. so in any case i assume the harlem globetrotters had superpowers i never really watched the basketball game <laughs> <laughs> in any case, the and like good the, super globe trotters reference. In like the pilot episode, Willie is on the run from bullies, but they're like never-ending story bullies who will like they're, jump on like garbage trucks and like pop wheelies while they're bullying him. Now, I, I I was picked on it as a kid, as, so was as I, you might have noticed. So and, uh, was I. We're film critics, <laughs> and uh, no film critic was ever cool as cool in high school. <laughs> Little secret there. And if you but, were, uh, you should be doing something else. Uh, yeah, you, you can you can do better. Uh, uh, but 
like these were the kind of people who would like sort of shove you into a line of lockers as they pass. Yeah. Or or they just sort of kind of roll their eyes whenever you started to speak and they made you feel like garbage. But they didn't put a lot of effort into it. Yeah, well, they didn't have to because they were just sort of naturally your predators. They didn't need to put any effort into it. So when you You don't see lions pranking wildebeests, it's already bad enough. When you got into movies, they had to, for some reason, make this a lot more dramatic. And so the bullies always like would chase kids. They would always go well out of their way to cause misery to these kids. You know, even in Carrie, when those those bullies were like just downright evil people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know of anybody who would actually go to all that trouble to kill a pig and get some blood and dump it on kids. It's this like, weird horror conceit. Like every horror movie I've watched from the 80s, and I've been mm-hmm. going through a lot of them lately, um, opens with a prank. Yeah, it's a yeah. really elaborate prank about like we're gonna tell this nerd we're gonna have sex with him, and then acid falls on his face and he comes back and kills us. That happens in like five movies. <laughs> like it's and a so, lot. Th- th- I mean, Bucky O'Hare isn't quite that extreme because it's not a horror show, but uh, it, does, it, does, it does have yeah these sort of stock bully characters who have now leaked down to 1991 when they've outlived their usefulness. Let's be honest. <laughs> and. Like, come on, man, this is all we can get right now. Oh, I know. And yeah, so they're skateboarding around and they finally corner Willie at the school and he strikes this really bizarre bargain. This is the <laughs> dumbest thing. There's anthropomorphic animals, and this is the dumbest thing in the whole series. So, so tell them about the bargain and then we'll we'll build oh, into God. it. So uh Willie says, You you can't beat me up for liking science. Science can help you. And the bully says, I don't believe you. And he shows him a I think a blueprint. No, no, hang on, because you missed the opening. The opening oh. is Willie challenges him to like any competition. Willie's choice. Oh, that's right. Willie gets to pick a contest. To and see so, who's and the bully manly. says, "says game on." Uh-huh. And then he, Willie, Willie brings him the in. science fair. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the game is the science fair. We're gonna work together on a robot scooter, oh, a, robot a robot skateboard. skateboard yeah. yeah, and and instead of the bullies. Taking a moment, looking at him, seeing if he's actually being savagely serious. Savagely beating him to death with their skateboards. <laughs> yes, they go for it. And I'm like, that's the sort of thing that only happened in a crowd. Like, I'm sorry, if your response is, oh, you're beating me up every day after school, you're really hurting me, uh, I'm going to challenge you uh, to help me win the science fair. Uh, I want to beat you up. That's I want to like. Even I'm like, uh, you deserve this. <laughs> like you're you are completely detached from we, reality. We hate you because you're a nerd. Oh yeah. Well, what if I was a super nerd? It's like, well, it's like that doesn't help you. Because here's the thing, and this is the thing that like the Spider-Man movies got wrong, especially <laughs> like the Amazing Spider-Man movies, uh, is that they confused nerd with social outcast. Right. The stuff that used to be like super nerdy that would make you a social outcast stuff like being into science, mm. getting really good grades, liking comic books, that kind of stuff. That used to be social outcast stuff. That was mm. not cool. Well, and the, then the problem is it changed it, is it, my point. It, well, it changed and you know all that stuff is now cool and what they've gotten rid of in this in this equation mm. is the fact that that person still is socially awkward. Yes, it's socially doing, awkward has nothing to do with what you like right now. It has writing, to do with your behavior. Writing socially awkward in a TV series or in a movie is from the results, nigh impossible. Very difficult. You can't write a social because it's either being like saying dumb things in front of a girl, or 
Or just going like full on Todd Salons with it, you know, just yeah. being completely well, and alienated. And from I think the, I think the, the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies actually did it pretty well because he was still clearly mm. no, it, they did okay because mm. he was still clearly just like you could tell he was meek and he lacked confidence, but he was still a decently reasonably good kid. And like mm. the Amazing Spider Man movies, they were just like he's a nerd that makes him super cool and he rides on a skateboard because it's the it's twenty ten and we still think that's cool. Skateboarding's okay, I guess. They, they I don't just, know. Just, I don't mean to pick on they, skateboarders. It's they, just an odd cliche to latch on to for they, this they, long. they changed it like a, a character. In any case, Willie is such a nerd mm. that it goes past... And he's a nerd who creates like a hyperdrive in his bedroom and goes <laughs> off into space and rescues planets you know what? and he's still a nerd to me the best thing like, that's, he doesn't he hasn't earned my respect Here, yet here's how you write willie dewitt into this show you don't have uh, an avatar for the audience you don't have this friendly bright-eyed bland white kid from the suburbs yeah you have a kid who's with glasses you can't see through you can never see his eyes <laughs> and and he never speaks he is so socially awkward that he can't talk to other people. He's just sort of tinkering all the time. He's sort of so you're never sure if he's a mad scientist, what his motivation is. He's this human character who is able to sort of go in and out of the Aniverse. And so from his perspective, this all might be a hallucination. Which brings, that would have been interesting. Well, that brings me to a question because uh, I think we're starting to run out. Is there anything really important you want? to I have talk nothing about? else to say. About about Bucky where Oliver, would you have wanted the show to go? Uh, That's, know, that raises the question. For this me. show, I think, I don't want to see it anymore. Well, we're not there yet. Where, okay. You still look. Where would the show go? Where, well, Assuming I mean, sh- it goes a hundred episodes, where does it if go? If it goes a hundred episodes, we just get more of the same. There's no really real room for growth. I don't see this as being the type of show where big dramatic things happen. You can kind of faint in that direction, but the Toads won't be completely overrun. Complex will never be defeated. Bucky O'Hare will never sort of change major roles. The team is the stock team is there. These are stock characters and you can't alter that formula too much. So we're stuck with that formula. Mm -hmm. And so what we're going to get is episodes about each individual character uh, about sort of their backstory. Like we had, we had one with Jenny, we had one with Deadeye Duck. We just get more of those where they go off on sort of their own individual adventures. And then we have sort of the arc episodes where they fight against the Toad Wars and make sort of small advances, maybe gain other allies. We haven't talked about Jim Backus and Dogstar. But, yeah, he's uh, not Jim Backus, but he's played like Jim Backus. He's an actor imitating Jim Backus. There's like it's another really ship weird. full of characters, which to their credit are all like distinctly called, characterized, even though they have no screen time. Yeah. There's like a cool dog who like has a grappling hook and like a bumblebee who shoots lasers <laughs> out of his bumblebee what breasts. Was, what was that ship? It was called the Indefatigable. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's weird, but it, that was so clearly yeah, they, designed to be they, its own thing. They yeah. clearly are going to sort of accumulate more ships and characters as toys are needed. Yeah, and that's kind of the only place this thing can go. You know, I have I had two, I had two thoughts. I only mm. I had like a couple of like really crappy ideas for episodes, <laughs> but I have no confidence in them. I'm going to mm. skip them entirely. I mean, there are only two ways the show can go that mm. it hasn't gone in the first season, and the first one is. Um, Willie's constantly going to the Aniverse. Why aren't the animals going to the real world? You yeah, know, do you do the Masters the of the Universe thing. episode or mm. even a whole season like it? But then, really, <laughs> there's only one way this goes, and this is my only real pitch. Oh. Uh-huh. Willie, this is the pitch for the episode. All right. Willie invites Bucky back to Earth, only to discover that none of the animals can return to Earth 
because they are only existing in his fractured mind. <laughs> Meanwhile, Willie's friend Susie wakes up chained to a radiator next to the desiccated skeleton of TJ. <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out he's been murdering people. Well, he's just this insane, insane boy. Let's be honest here. This is a metaphor mm. for literal escapism. This is a kid who is whose parents, we talked at the beginning, his parents are, aren't interested. Uh-huh. Uh, he's clearly too intelligent for where he is in his life or his station, mm. um, which is a classical serial killer trait. <laughs> uh, he is an, a social outcast. He has no friends to speak of. The one friend he has he thri- is a raging bitch. He thrives on violence. He thrives on violence. He, he goes into this universe so he can fight wars. But let's but let's and get away from his past. But let's assume parents. it's not as dark as that. Let's just yeah. go with straight up. This is a TV show mm. about a lonely kid who goes up to his bedroom and reads comic books every night. Mm. That's it. That's it. That's the whole show. It's a little odd, though, that Bucky is purported to be the main character. It's named after him. Well, yeah, and, but the Wizard of Oz isn't the protagonist of the Wizard of Oz well, it's either. And, it's just sort of what it's about, really. I, I suppose so, but, you know, the drama is about sort of the ensemble. As much time is spent with the other characters as spent with Willie. So I wouldn't say Willie is maybe the audience avatar, but he's not. Well, well let's he's think just about one it. of the main characters. But let's think show, about it. Let's know? think about it like that movie Identity. Maybe mm. they all represent different pieces of his identity. So Bucky <laughs> okay. O'Hare is his ego. Right. Bucky O'Hare is Willie as the Nate Plus Ultra. He's heroic. People look up to him. He doesn't have that much personality. He's just a blank slate of awesome. Mm. Okay. Deadeye is his anger. <laughs> and his aggravation and his greed. His, his animus. Yeah, it's literally animus because oh, he's an animal. His animal yeah, yeah, okay. And then you have Jenny, who represents his mom and his love interest. Okay. So Freud, that's but, fine. But also yeah. his spirituality. There's a certain that's element she, of spirituality. She, she, she's the spiritual. And what one. we learn about her, because she's like this weird Jedi character, they have this idea that quarks are actually also demons. So they combined magic and science. Mm. To him, his spirituality is linked to science. Yes. Boom. They, done. They did that in uh, Star Trek Voyager as well. There you go. That, where uh, uh, Seven of Nine worships like this god particle. There you go. Yeah, yeah it's the exact, exact same thing. Uh, you got, uh, you, it's interesting because w- Willie only enters the picture when Bruiser, or Bruce actually, mm. a physically violent but also brilliant scientist comes in so willie comes in but he only comes in to represent the science this the still the simple brute strength needs to come from another person so that's bruiser a less interesting character mm. you can buy him and willie you have a whole character <laughs> and then there's and then there's uh blinky mm. who is his innocence his innocence his child his childlike yeah. innocence his his, his and his curiosity his willingness to go along with just about anything so it, I, it, it's all it's all a metaphor this I, is, you I, just I watch someone else read comic books I, I dig That's, this yeah. I don't buy it but I dig it I'm willing to bet that on right. some level Larry Hama whether or not he was consciously doing this I, I think he's thought because he talked yeah. about in Larry Hama in that interview on yeah. buckyohair.org a venerable institution <laughs> um, he talked about how this is the he, most personal story of him because this is a story he actually fantasizes about he fantasizes about going to this universe there you go it's all part of him i I mean every every character every writer writes is a part of that writer i I think the strongest element of this uh the series was were the satirical elements Mm -hmm. that we can actually we have to sort of take this from a slightly objective point of view and we can see the show as kind of a spoof of very well-worn sci-fi traditions that we all know sure like uh you go back far enough like star wars is borrowing from much more ancient traditions Mm -hmm. star wars kind of codified it and a lot of people see that as the start no no star wars is linking to something that was started decades before mm-hmm. and this is just sort of continuing that stretch and but so by using animal people and these kind of bubbly toy looking devices we're kind of like a little bit removed from the action and then when we see that the villains are 
trying to sell these toys, there's, there is this extra dimension of uh, consumer satire, as mm-hmm. I had mentioned. And I think that is what needed to be played up for the series to become stronger. Mm-hmm. I think we needed to see it as more spoofy and more, uh, more s- uh, silly is the wrong word, but uh, more um, uh, like slapstick mm-hmm. in sort of a way. Um, All right. I, I think, yeah, so by, by kind of incorporating Willie into this, I think it would have made him a stronger character if he were kind of baffled or maybe even a little bit cynical. Like, he was the one who saw all of the cliches. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that I think, would have been much more interesting. Well, I just they have this audience surrogate, and mm-hmm. he's just so boring. Like, if you yeah, want to have an mm-hmm. audience surrogate, my, I think he only works as sort of just like everyone is sort of representing a part of him. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to keep him as a plot device, you have to do something with it, because <laughs> the whole school thing is not working, and you can tell they don't care. Um, let's let's move on. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it canceled too soon? You believe you already uh, voiced I, I, your opinion? I, I, I kind of kind of tip my hand there, but uh, no, no, uh, this this should not have continued. Not at least not in its current form, because it would have just remained shrill and amateurish throughout. Yeah. Um, unless they did something really daring, like you know they say Willie, Willie, we need you. They bang on the door and he steps in. And he's sixty years old. All of a sudden, there's this weird <laughs> time warp. Could um, be cool. I think, however, that this sort of show maybe even Bucky O'Hare specifically is ripe for a very, uh, like a kind of darkened anime reboot. Uh, if, if this had come out of Japan, this would have been a lot more serious. And uh-huh. I think a lot of the themes would have been a lot stronger. It would have been a little bit like a tiny bit more adult and all of those satirical elements I was talking about would have actually played and read, uh, to a, a broader audience. Yeah. Uh, for the record, we are going to be covering anime on this show at some point. We do have some ideas. Uh, but uh, uh, anime yeah. is a strange animal. But yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We might even bring on an expert uh, to talk us through because uh, my expertise is not what it used to be in that field. <laughs> uh, Bucky Hare and the Toad Wars was it canceled too soon? No, no, it wasn't canceled too soon. Now, I agree on this one. I, I Bucky Hare and the Toad Wars kind of grew on me after a while, not because I just got used to it per se, but because mm. the episodes started slowing down a bit, yeah. and they started focusing on the characters long enough that I was actually able to have a certain amount of investment. Every time it focused all on plot, boy, even the last episode. Mm. Last episode sucks because <laughs> on one hand it's kind of cool because the series well, opened it, it, with it, Bucky's planet getting enslaved it, it kind and, of, yeah, it, kind and of it ends with up. it being liberated. It actually feels like a complete piece. You don't really need any more. Mm. Um, but it, Willie goes to this reality, goes back in the universe, and everyone's acting out of character and it's reading him out. And it turns out it was all this plan to trick the Toads. And Willie's just like, why didn't you tell me? We had no good reason. They have no, a reason. They, they it's have, a crap reason. Have, no, it's a good reason. It's like we we needed you to be sincere in all of this. If you were, we they essentially didn't trust his abilities as an actor, <laughs> which it's, is it's fine. not satisfying. You know? It's not all satisfying. Right. Fine, but whatever. That, that that bothered me. But whatever. It's not it's not a thing. Mm. But I agree. And actually, I was going to make that same point. I think Bucky O'Hare is rife for a new interpretation, whether it's anime or whether it's just a classy, like every, a lot of stuff that's going on in like Disney XD right now is really mm. great animation. So if you got like the people behind like uh, star and the forces of evil, uh, it's mm. that level of wit, but also classy animation that isn't so hyper detailed and bizarre. You can hardly watch it. Yeah. yeah. Like if you cleaned it up a bit, made it a little slicker, um, and kind of just focused on the elements of the story that work and not just constant incident 
you could have something here, and this is really, really good. And I bet the comic books play a lot better than this. I didn't read. Which, I bet yeah, they which we can't comment. I feel on like I read one, but I feel like it was the tie-in comic, mm-hmm. and it wasn't uh, what the kind of comic I, it was. Based I, on. I mentioned on the last episode that there was a Super Nintendo game. It wasn't Super Nintendo. It was just regular NES, mm-hmm. uh, which came out the same year. Uh, I did watch an NES long play video of the the how game. It, how did it look? Uh, it looks pretty fun. It's just you know the the side scrolling platformer. Yeah, uh, and it looks like. It looks really hard, actually. It's (laughs) just like the show. It's way too elaborate. Yeah. Like there's all these. It looks way too challenging. It's probably one of those games that I would have bought, gotten to level three and given up on after a while. I it was so hard. I need to track this down. Eventually we're going to do it because it was another one episode wonder. We're going to do Battletoads. Oh, yes, we are. Speaking of hard NES. Oh, my God. The hardest game ever. Well, you know why they did that? Uh, it was it was when the rental market was really yeah. exploding, and they wanted to make games that that couldn't be beaten a single weekend, essentially, yeah. or in the span of a, a game rental. Yeah. So they they actually intentionally made them Im- like impossible, like so hard to beat that you would have to play them like for months on end. What and a, and so they made this game. What a piss! That I went out and I bought and I got to level three. I was like, I am so frustrated. <laughs> Even the Game and, Boy version that was the version I had. I got to level three. It was terrible. And uh, luckily. The, the video game gods were looking out for me. It broke on its own. You know, I broke my and, Game Boy oh, playing yeah? Battletoads. I was wow. so pissed. I hit my Game Boy, and the screen had like this purple block. Oh, like I bruised it. I was yeah. an abusive Game Boy owner. I felt like such a monster. You, um, you are. You never punch your Game Boy, man. They never forgive you. I never. I, I learned but the valuable lesson. I was able to day. return my copy of Battletoads. I, spent, I think I shelled out fifty or sixty bucks man, for that. Still, thing. They, it's, they, and that's nineteen ninety one dollars. Yeah, that was real money. Yeah. All right, everybody, cancel too soon. Thank you for watching, listening, listening. Well, thank, thank you thank you for watching as well, because <laughs> presumably you also had to sit through some of Bucky O'Hare in the two. Yeah, at hours, least, so. you know what, go, go online just to get a sense of what we're talking about. Uh, anytime we do one of these shows, at least go to YouTube and watch like the opening credits of these shows, mm-hmm. get a little bit of the gist of it. I think it's the best way to do it if you don't have time to follow along with us, if you didn't watch it as a kid. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that was Bucky O'Hare in the Toad Wars. Next time, we are going to be hitting you with uh, uh, a one-episode wonder called Look Well. Starring Adam West, uh, created by Conan O'Brien, co-created by Conan O'Brien and Robert Smigel. And Robert Smigel. Uh, before they were anybody, it's one of the lowest-rated television shows in history, uh-huh. uh, and it's the same concept as The Grinder, where Adam <laughs> West uh, was a cop on television who acts like he's a cop in real life. Yeah, is, uh, is, is called upon to behave like a cop in real life. I've never seen it. I can't wait. I've heard really great yeah. things. It's supposed to be one of the best shows that didn't take off. Well, so it should be interesting. We'll also be talking about Conan O'Brien's checkered TV career because for how, however success, every success he's had, he's had numerous failures. Yeah. So yeah. So that'll be a fun one. So uh, track yeah. that down if you want to follow along with us. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at B Movies Podcast. That's the podcast uh, for our main podcast, the one that we started this whole business. We're going to branch out eventually. If you want to contact us uh, ab- uh, with comments about Cancelled Too Soon, use our B-Movies podcast email. That is bmoviespodcast at gmail, gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us individually uh, and with any sort of comments or insults you like. You uh, are. At Whitney Sutton. At Whitney Seibold. I'm at Whitney Seibold. <laughs> I'm at you? William DeBiani. All right. All right. Uh, and uh, please subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review. The reviews, even just the star rating, mm. helps so much, especially at the beginning. Uh, the more reviews we get. Don't sound too desperate now. <laughs> the more reviews we get, the more people can find the show. The this more people true. who can find the true. show, the more popular the show is. And I'm, the easier it is for us mm. to do more with the show. And in, in fact, we already have a few guests lined up. So yeah. uh, you, we, show creators, we're already promising you some interesting critics, things. And the more you leave reviews, the more of these interesting people we can get on the show. Absolutely. Um, so, again, thank you.
thank you for listening. Um, hopefully, by this point, we have introduced our new theme song, uh, which is done by a Seattle band called Heptagon. Uh, you can find them online at the thingy. Hang on, I have this written down. Hold not, on, not heptagon.com. I don't then. think no, I don't think they have their own website yet. Hang yeah. on, I'm a jerk. Hang on, I should have looked you this up. You jerk. Um, Making our listeners wait. Go to facebook.com/slash heptagon music. Or heptagon.bandcamp.com okay. uh, if you want to listen to their other stuff. So thank you, Heptagon, uh, for the awesome theme song. I hope it's awesome. I haven't heard it yet. Uh, by the time we recorded this, uh, we're supposed to get it tomorrow. So it be interesting. We might have to cut this whole segment if that doesn't come together. Uh, so everybody, thank you. Thank you once again for listening. And uh, never forget, shh. Da-da-dun, da-da-dun, da-da-dun. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da